Hello, and welcome to the Humumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. The podcast where we watch 31 horror movies throughout the hallowed month of October. Ranging from the critically acclaimed to film school projects gone gruesomely awry. And we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Sully Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously while we take these movies seriously. Today, we are talking about the movie Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps. Ginger Snaps. From 2000. And I have to start by saying this movie was not at all what I thought it was going to be from the name. Yeah, you thought it was like about cookies. No, <laughs> but I straight up was expecting some kind of like evil leprechaun sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. And so I was really confused for the first several, like maybe 10 minutes of it. I was like, I don't know where this is going. And I had pretty much decided it was going to be these two sisters were going to be like witches or something. Yeah, like they definitely should have gone around killing everybody they didn't like. Or not even supernatural. They were just going to be yeah. like sociopaths that decided to just destroy or had already started because they were like the first scene indicated something had been going on. Yeah. That they were just going around murdering everyone in town. Like, that was where I was at. And then, about and then. ten minutes in, it is revealed that the oldest sister's name is Ginger. <laughs> and I went, oh. oh. And then you said the word werewolf, and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, sorry. I'm okay. sorry. I did know what was going on, because this movie has been, it's been on my radar, and, you know, like, people have been wanting me to see it, sort of since like maybe 2002 or 2003 like it was a thing back then like this was the hip new kind of movie like a quentin tarantino movie or whatever you know where people were like hey this is what we're doing now which was about the same era actually yeah i mean i kind of see that it definitely is a very distinct flavor of horror movie yeah and much like liver and onions or matcha or you know oh, whatever like it is not a flavor that i am interested in i feel differently it was very very 2000 which is what it was and it was so i don't know you know teen angst and and uh mopey and goth and that was fun and disemboweled dogs everywhere yeah, there was that too. I think that was what it was. The style of special effects in this movie, I don't I don't want to say they weren't well done, but they were very much not my cup of tea. Yeah. Disemboweled dogs mainly. Yeah. A lot of that. And a lot of people getting sliced open. Yeah, so this movie starts with these two sisters who have no friends. They're just Deeply connected to each other, and that's all they do. So deeply connected that one of them has skipped a grade, so even though they're a year apart in age, they're in the same class, all the same classes yes. at school. They're just always together, and they, they're they like a clique of just the two of them, and they are rude to everyone else. And they have a pact that they're going to die together before they're 16, so they're special people. So that's what they said at the beginning, but then later... Ginger was 16, and well, I think Bridget was 15, 
And so why were they still alive? I I think she wasn't yet 16. I think she was like about to be 16 and Ginger was I mean, about to be 15, something like maybe, that. Maybe, but somebody asked her, how I mean, old are you? And she said, Ginger. I'm 16, she's 15. Yeah. So. I mean, it was it was right about the point where this pact was a big issue. Yes. And maybe that was part of what bugged me about the movie, too, is I was not, I don't know if it was that day or if it's, you know, the year, the two years, <laughs> the, the decade, the I don't know. But the place I'm in headspace-wise, like, I was not in a, yay, suicide pact is entertainment kind of mentality. Yeah, a big suicide trigger warning for this movie, which was chock full. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, you know, I get that sometimes that storyline, like, they weren't pro-suicide or anything. Like, it's not like it was encouraging it, but it also was just... It was just too much real trauma, yeah. I guess. Like, I don't know. What? Well, yeah. I mean, this was very much, it's how teenagers get where they're so wrapped up in their feelings and their unhappiness. And they're like, this could never get better. So this is the best way. And it's just a phase of being a teenager when your hormones do that to your brain. I definitely remember, I don't remember exactly being in that phase, but I know I was in that phase because I remember being mind blown and awed by the movie Natural Born Killers. Oh, yeah. You mentioned Same that. kind of idea. Like I was, I was just, oh my gosh, this movie gets me when that movie came out. And I've tried to watch it since. And I was like... <laughs> What is happening? This, why? No, what? Yeah. No. I don't know. Everything, I think it's a very selfish thing. It's where all teenagers are completely wrapped up in this. Teenagers are sociopaths. We know this. (laughs) Yeah. They're completely wrapped up in themselves. And so it feels like everything is out to get them and nothing can ever get better. And any, you know, rejection from their peers is... The end of all things, and it's yes. just how it feels to be a teenager. Yes. And the main character, Bridget, definitely, like, she was the embodiment of that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Like, she just walked around, like, Michael Sarah style <laughs> yes. through the whole movie. She had her dingy trench coat on. She never washed her hair. Like, her face was in this perma scowl. And you just wanted extreme. to, like... Throw her in a shower and shove a couple of vegetables down her throat and, and be like, Xanax. yes, and just be like, it'll be okay. Like, just, well, you just got to get through it. And that is her mom, who was creepy. And it, you had this whole question of how does this mom have these kids? Because she really was like, come on, girls, let's do this. And She was a little over-medicated. She, how could she still be at that place of, hey, let's try, when she'd been with these girls all the way up to age 16? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's a parental thing. It was we weird. Know that. Yeah, she was, I don't know. She was very supportive, but I feel like she had to at some point acknowledge the way they're acting and be like, okay, I guess they're just going to go be in their rooms and they don't want me to bring them ants on a log. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I 
I do feel like there was some missing the boat with these characters and how they were portrayed and how their relationships were portrayed. I mean, I've been an angsty teenage girl. I have a sibling. I have a sister who's very similar in age to me. Uh, we at no point had a suicide pact. Good. Good, good first step. <laughs> Just to clarify that. And were you at um, any point werewolves? I had no comment. Okay. No comment. Continue. So I've been that angsty teenage girl, not to this extreme. I have a sibling, sister, who's just a couple years younger than me. We have neither had a suicide pact, nor have we been werewolves. But there was something off about the way these characters were being played. And it was the sort of something that made me at one point say... I feel like this movie was made by men. <laughs> and it turns out it was written by women, but yeah. directed and edited by men. And I find that very interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's they were telling them what to do on set. Right. And like, like their idea of, okay, we're reading this script. Here's what... Here's what this should sound like or feel like or, you know, here's the the nuance that needs to be in it. Yeah. Granted, I'm not sure that this movie was focused too much on nuance, but like their idea of how a line should be said or what what a particular scene was supposed to be evoking, I think was just not quite right. Everything was just weirdly hypersexualized. Even in the places where it wouldn't have been, where it had nothing to do with sex, there was like this heightened level of sexualization that just felt wrong to me. Hmm. Yeah. There was there was a scene where I was like, I actually, this was before you talked about that in the movie, where I was like, is this a male director? Because specifically, Ginger was asleep in bed and she had her sheets off of her. And so we're just looking at her butt, like in panties in bed, and because the whole point of it was that we were going to see that she was growing a tail. Sure. Spoilers. Spoilers. But I mean, it was absolutely, I'm like, that's the male gaze, isn't it? That is. Good catch, Mikey. <laughs> yeah. I recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was, there was just a lot of that. And like, things like, okay, so if a woman wrote in a script that a character gets her period for the first time and is upset about it and is like shocked at the amount of blood, yeah. like as a woman who has experienced that, that that means a certain thing to me. I sort of feel like that scene was directed by men who had no idea what that meant. Because, the amount. like, half a cup of blood. What? <laughs> well, it, what? It's that thing where they sent the woman into space with 100 tampons for three days <laughs> or whatever. Is this going to be enough? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it just, it was that, like, the definition of upsetting, shocking, whatever is just so... Like, they didn't have the context necessary to understand what that scene meant. Because all of those same things would happen yeah. with much less going on. <laughs> well, it's a movie. It's heightened. It's cartoonish. It was cartoonish. And I get that they have to, you know, it's sort of like 
nobody in the real world has ever ever tied a streamer to an air conditioning unit (laughs) like it's one of those things where in order to make it visible in the you know movie media they have to exaggerate it but that's one of those exaggerations where i'm just like this is so stupid and it just contributes to misinformation because now there are more men out there who are like that's (laughs) shocking no wonder women get so upset it's like well no that's not how that works also, it doesn't look like ketchup. Yeah, their blood was thick. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was all around upsetting. I really want to talk to the women who wrote these scripts and be like, so what do you think? Is yeah. this the vision you had when yeah, you were writing this story? Because I suspect it is not. But I could be wrong. And as a not woman, I got much less of that kind of feeling about the movie. And I was having more fun because... I was, this felt so much like an episode of Buffy, like in, in every way. Like, <laughs> really? In, well, exactly. <laughs> it was, you know, with its 2000s ness and uh-huh. even the way it looked, the video it was shot on and stuff. And yeah, the kind music of that grainy darkness. And the high school and just mega angst. And it just totally felt like it. And I was enjoying, like, for the first three quarters of the movie i was really enjoying the antics of bridget and ginger and how they were so hateful of everyone around them and what i wanted them to do if they were going to have a werewolf movie which is never my recommendation but as long if they're going to do that where it should have gone is that they're like oh cool now you're a werewolf the perfect opportunity for us to kill all the people that we hate and you know cover it up and they would be working on that the whole movie And it really didn't go there at all. I mean, I get that that's been done. It has been done. Tragedy Girls was very good. Yes. So they were trying to do something original, I think, which is fine. But yeah, I'm with you. Werewolf movies just don't... I I don't think I've ever watched a werewolf horror movie where I was like, yes, this is awesome. They just don't work. I don't know. I don't really need werewolves. I'm not sure why. And... The whole like Twilight thing, you know, I watched oh. <laughs> the movies with my niece and even then I was like, okay, I get why people are into vampires. I just don't understand. Like the werewolf guy was hot, but I'm like, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand. Dog. <laughs> I don't get it. After watching this movie, while you were watching the evil twin of this movie, mm. I just happened to come across on Facebook this share from some Reddit forum or whatever that was talking about werewolf movies I want to see or werewolf stories I want to see. And basically they were all upset that werewolf movies are always about like this lone wolf that's going around killing everybody when in fact (laughs) wolves are pack animals. Like the one we saw earlier where they went on a retreat to the woods. Yes, exactly. Only, like, they were saying, oh, I want to see the werewolf movie where, you know, the werewolves are just collecting all all the, you know, stray kids and taking care oh, of yeah. them. And they're like, like a, this massive family unit. It's like and, a circus movie. <laughs> yes, sort of like that. Um, and I was like, oh, see, that I would be interested in. And so, I don't know, maybe there's like this underlying werewolf movies miss the mark as to what wolves are like. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think werewolf movies are about 
the transformation. They're they're about our hidden desires and all that crap, you know, like we really want to let loose and go nuts and this is the opportunity and hey, once a month we can do that, right guys? <laughs> they can do that, right guys? <laughs> that's, I mean, that's where the male director comes in. He's like, women, am I right? <laughs> there definitely felt like there was an element of that. And it really, it definitely was trying to tie that whole like menstrual cycle, werewolf, mm-hmm. you know, every 28 days yeah. controlled by the moon nonsense. There definitely was that piece going on. But there was also this like weird thread of drug use one of the main male characters sam is this like loner drug dealer guy from their high school or who had just graduated from their high school like i don't think he was supposed to be there who graduates and then hangs out at the high school and dates senior girls yeah but he like there he was a big part of finding the solution for them and very big there was a lot of that like in the way it was shown and like they yeah. made the solution into like they cooked it up in a <laughs> spoon basically yeah, and then did. put it in a needle and injected it. And I was like, oh, okay. So the solution for being a werewolf is like heroin <laughs> yeah. only with wolf's bane in it. <laughs> yeah, basically. That was the interesting thing about this movie was they were very clear that werewolves are just animals slash people and you can kill him by hitting him with your car. Yeah. And that's what bothered me at the end of the movie was that she killed her sister with a knife. And it was like, that that was all it took? Like, I, that's so unimpressive. <laughs> like, this should have requ- this should have been difficult. It makes you wonder how the werewolf was around killing all the neighborhood dogs for as long as it was. Yeah, like, like, why didn't some dude with a gun shoot at whatever stray animal was killing his dog in the backyard? a dog beat it in a fight. I yeah, mean, I guess it was pretty big, but still. Yeah, there were definitely inconsistencies in in the strength and stamina and whatnot. That was one thing I really liked, not the inconsistencies, but the presentation of the werewolf. It's kind of just going to be totally opposite of what I said about the silence, but they showed the werewolf being so lightning fast that you basically didn't see it. It would like just things would happen and you'd be like, the werewolf must have been there. Right. And it was kind of cool. It was like, okay, this is way too much to handle. It's instantly fast. And then, of course, they kind of threw that away towards the end of the movie and just had a monster stalking them. Because they had to have a way to defeat it. <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was that was cool. It was like in a lot of vampire movies, they do things like that. Yeah. That, that was nice. Story-wise, char- you know, like plot development-wise, yes, I like that watching it i didn't like it because there were too many times where i'm like i don't know what's happening like what is going on who who's being attacked right now yeah very sneaky it was frustrating for me (laughs) another area where i felt like there were inconsistencies was in this sister's relationship because at the (laughs) beginning they act like they've been their only each other's only friend best friend forever and ever like they're 100 codependent on each other and then later, the mom talks about how the younger sister, Bridget, has always just done whatever Ginger says. And like she's the mom's always been worried about the younger daughter for, you know, not having her own mind, whatever, which fine. But then that morphs into 
Ginger becomes a werewolf and like completely abandons Bridget. Like she had zero interest in her in the first place. And it was all just like this weird narcissistic relationship. Yeah, But I I don't know. I felt like that was part of, you know, her whole mind changing with the werewolf disease. Like she was like, I'm too cool now. I'm dumping you. And, And that was like, I was enjoying that. That was the arc of the story was... At the very end, Bridget's finally like takes this whole journey from I'm gonna die with you to I don't wanna die and you're not gonna hold me back. I'm gonna live a, a life and be a person. She even, they have an exchange actually that I wrote down that was right around that time and like that realization for her where the older sister, Ginger, says, I said I'd die for you. Mm-hmm. And Bridget says, No. You said you'd die with me because you had nothing better to do. Yeah. And so then it made me think, okay, maybe I completely misread what their relationship well, I mean, was in the beginning. You know, maybe there are layers. It's like, or from Bridget's point of view, this was a codependent relationship. And Ginger was like, hey, no one else wants to hang out with me. I'm going to take advantage of this worship I get from this girl. Yeah. And then as soon as she gets this sense of power and confidence. She's like, yeah, forget it. Yeah. I don't need you anymore. And they, you know, that then changed their whole, like, Oh, we need to die together. We don't want to live past 16. The world's not worth it to Bridget realizing she doesn't want to die. In fact, they both ended up realizing that they didn't want to die in different ways. And, you know, for different reasons, I guess. But yeah, they went from we should kill each other and ourselves or whatever to desperately trying to stop Ginger from dying as a werewolf, I guess. Yeah. Or just being one permanently. Yeah. I don't know, though. I guess like there were definitely interesting elements to it. But at the end, my last note that I wrote is, but what was this movie trying to say? Like it felt... It felt so all over the place. And maybe I'm just doing my thing where I'm like trying to find too deep a message in something that was just supposed to be entertainment. I don't but think it so. felt like it had a message yeah. and I couldn't pin it down. I think it was it was probably not aimed at us. It's a you know, this is about teenagers and it's for teenagers. It's kind of I think that business about Bridget's arc is almost this this okay. This movie is made okay. by by Steve Buscemi being like, "Hey, fellow children, <laughs> let's let's all be cool together." And it starts out like that, you know, like we're goth and we want to be dead just like you. We're trench coat wearing two thousands kids, and then by the end we come around to she's been through all this. Look at your life. Your life is you. You never had to fight off a werewolf. If you did, you would too would discover that you actually want to live and move on with life. And the real thing it was about, though, I think. Well, obviously, it was about puberty, big time. Yes, but it was about growing up and growing apart, and you know, kind of reaching that point where it's like you you look back and realize that that that's not for you anymore. This is leaving that childish stuff behind and i have new things to do and both of them kind of went that way towards getting involved with boys in different ways yeah and they were like okay this is this is life this is social interaction as opposed to being insular and just 
the two of us. Yeah. So I just looked something up. Oh, no. The Columbine shooting happened in April of 1999. Wow. So when I think about that context, this could very easily be a movie that was meant to be like, hey, if you are this person, if you feel this way, because they definitely, like, at the beginning, yes. I was like, oh, these girls are going to murder everyone in their school. Oh, yeah. Like. That's what I thought was going to happen. Yeah. And and so it took those two girls and it, at least the one of them, at least Bridget, ends up realizing that that, you know, that there's more to life and yada, mm-hmm. yada, yada, you know, all the things that the adults keep telling these children, the you know. So it may have been a reaction to that event. I'm honestly a little surprised that this movie was able to be made so shortly after Columbine. Yeah. I guess it didn't have the same elements. Like, it, yeah, it's not quite as... Yeah, as there's no guns, people are okay with it. Yeah. But Bridget in her trench coat, like, I could not <laughs> see her without seeing those boys. Yeah, yeah it was very much that that world and uh it's it's like it's the first it gets better movie kind of (laughs) but in a really weird way yes very weird and i don't i don't know like you said maybe it's i'm you know i'm just too far past this point in my life (laughs) and then this movie was not written for me but it feels kind of clumsy like i'm not sure that its message comes out as as clearly as it might need to i don't know there's a lot of different little bits that we have already discussed. So, yeah. you know, maybe it's not one clean thing. I do the, think that was an element the of The struggles of youth. Yeah. Ratings. Well, as I said, the beginning parts of this movie and most of it really clicked with me and that 2000s feeling and Buffy and all of that. It just was like the disaffected youth doing their thing and that's being quippy and sarcastic which is very fun so i liked all that and then it kind of lost me towards the end when it was more about running away from a werewolf and i I really didn't like how it resolved like the whole thing like she, she worked all this time to get this uh medication that was supposed to fix her and she literally never managed to get it into her at all she she had it, she lost it, she had it again, and at the very end, she ended up stabbing her with the knife instead of getting the syringe in. And it's like, yeah. that's probably part of the point, but it was disappointing. So, I didn't like that. But but it all, like, it really kept my interest because it all felt, it felt very fully realized to me. Like, that kind of, not realistic, but within its own world, very consistent and, like, everything makes sense in this world. I don't know, like, that's how it felt. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah, I don't agree, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I see yeah. why you're saying that. Yeah, because it's that kind of like a Kevin Smith movie where people don't talk like that, but it really works. It's t- doing a good job of telling the story and making it like that. It's, it was that same kind of feeling. So I enjoyed it, and then I didn't as much. And I guess I'll get into the next thing I'm going to say when we talk about the evil twin. So... I'll just rate this one three hockey sticks out of five. Do those hockey sticks have a little dog hanging from them or no? Yeah, I just didn't want to get into all the details of the <laughs> hockey stick. This was a Canadian movie and you can really tell. So I guess I don't have a lot more to say about this movie. Like I, I don't 
I did not enjoy it. Yeah. And I can't quite, like, even after talking about it now, usually when I have that kind of vague feeling, we talk about it and either I'm like, oh, no, I I, I have changed my mind, <laughs> or I understand why it rubbed me the wrong way. And I can't, I still can't quite pin it down. But this just missed for me. Mm -hmm. And maybe part of it was that I was so on the wrong track at the beginning that like it, I never really recovered from that. Yeah. Or that I kind of was so put off by the 2000, you know, Columbine like stuff behavior that like super dark, creepy, terrible kind of dangerous trauma, right? Like dangerous unseen by the people who should be helping kind of trauma like that maybe was just so upsetting to me that was such a part of their mom and dad was that they were completely oblivious to everything going on yeah yeah so i mean i guess my in my life experience people who act like that end up doing horrible things yeah and when we let those kinds of traumas go unnoticed and unrectified in any way, we're contributing to those horrible things. Like I think I just got so caught up in that that I couldn't, I couldn't get back to this is a story. And then I kind of stopped. I don't think I was paying super close attention by the end. Solely, I wasn't engaged enough to really follow it. I don't think. So I'm gonna give this movie two hockey sticks out of five. Mm-hmm. But with the asterisk that this rating is entirely based on my personal feelings about this movie and not how I think anyone else would feel about it or the quality yeah. of the movie, because I think I had such strong personal feelings that I don't, I can't see the other. Hmm. Like, usually I can be like, oh, someone else would like this or, yeah. you know, this movie was well made. And I, I just can't even, I can't even judge those things because I had such a negative reaction to it internally yeah so i'm giving it a two but it probably deserves more than that so because i did not like ginger snaps i spent very little time or effort watching the evil twins ginger snaps 2 unleashed indeed but you did watch it so uh tell us a little bit about that one i did and I will tell you that going into it, I did not want to watch it. I We finished Ginger Snaps, and I was like, I'm so mad that I chose the sequel to be the evil twin here because I don't want to continue this. This this is done. It wasn't, I didn't dislike it, but it was, I don't want to continue it. And neither did the movie makers because <laughs> this follow-up movie is such a direct-to-video low-budget cash-in it's Mm. it's a bad movie and it's just bad the plot of it the way things work out is more interesting than it would be if it was just you know a bunch of people and a werewolf is hunting them down which is what most horror movies are it's got more going on than that but it's completely unnecessary and the whole thing is the first movie made money and they're like how do we continue this? What can go next? Not what needs to go next, what's important to tell next, but just how do we make this continue so that mm-hmm. money keeps coming to us? 
And that's all it was. It was that and very loud, like, noise core rock punk all the time. Super loud music that was way too fast for the scenes it was in. And it was just, like, overblown. It was very much like those really cheap, what's the company? Not Asylum movies, but... uh Oh, I don't know. A lot of the movies we watched that are clearly shot on video and had a budget of about 50 grand, they sound just like this movie and they have that noisy music, rock music. You know, like when a when a monster's chasing you and the music is noisy rock music, you're like, yeah, this, I yeah. guess this is an action scene then. I'm, yeah. I'm confused. And there's a lot of that. It's quite needless and it's not good, which is extra disappointing because I didn't want to see a sequel in the first place. And now it's not just a sequel, but it's just really lousy. Yeah. And it ends where they clearly were setting it up so that if they could, you know, if they could get someone to fund it, they were going to make another one. Yeah. I mean, there's like a twist at the end and stuff and it's not interesting. So I don't care. Yeah. So this was, this was Ginger Snaps too. I don't recommend it. What would you rate it? I will give it one and a half jars of gasoline out of five. Just okay. burn it down. <laughs> okay. I mean, I didn't hate it like a lot of other movies, but it was not at all anything I wanted to see. And that was, I think maybe just going into it blind, I would have liked it better. But coming from the first movie where I'm like, I don't want a sequel to this. Stop. <laughs> Makes it just not interesting. Yeah. Well, that was unfortunate. What are we moving on to next? Some excitement for Sully as we head into the 1970s. Nice. 1976's Alice Sweet Alice. I have seen people mention that one, or I've heard people mention that one. So I'm intrigued to see that one. And what is uh, the evil twin for Alice Sweet Alice? Well, as everybody knows... The evil twin of Alice Sweet Alice came 12 years earlier in 1964. It's a long birth. And it is Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte. I have also heard people mention that one. Yeah, so we're going way back in the Wayback Machine to silence some sweet women. (laughs) Well, when you put it that way. (laughs) All right, well, I'll see you tomorrow. Yay, I'll see you too. Some people want to hear it just because you don't, Mr. Middle-Aged Rich White Dude. I'm not using any of this, you know. I know. Especially when you insult my heritage. (laughs) Yeah.